All right, here we go. This, this is a story of hallucination. Not a store-bought artificial hallucination, but a natural, even organic hallucination. Um, more specifically, it's a story of how the world of illusion and hallucination can mingle and even coexist with what we think of as rational thought. All of this is the byproduct of something called the Alaska Mountain Wilderness Classic, more commonly known as the Wilderness Race. And for those not familiar with this particular event, I'll tell you a few things about it. This is a typically atypical Alaskan event. <laughs> it is a race from point A to point B, and that is about where the similarity ends. For in the case of the wilderness race, point A and point B are separated by anywhere from oh, 120 to close to 200 miles as the crow flies. And that's an important point because, the, <laughs> because there is no route and routes often zig and zag and wander and extend that distance considerably. There are no rules except for you have to carry out what you carry in. You're totally unsupported on your own. There are no checkpoints with the exception occasionally on some years of a little piece of paper and a pencil and a baggie stuck on a tree someplace where the competitors are likely to converge. Um, the aim of the race is to see who gets from point A to point B first. <laughs> in most cases, those are teams, or at least pairs, but often teams of, of people together. In my case, I, for some reason, like to do these things solo. <laughs> and that contributes to the byproduct of the wilderness race, which is hallucination. <laughs> this specific race, some five years ago, happened in July which also is a factor because in July, days are long, giving you the opportunity to travel long miles, long days, no sleep because you can see. So that plays into it. This race starts in Chicken, a little hamlet in the far east Alaska on the Canadian border. It travels west, ending in central, a little town on the Steese Highway, just north of Fairbanks. In this case, as the crow flies again, the distance of some 180 to 200 miles. So I start this race, everything is fine. I am now traveling through hill and dale and bushes and bushwhacks and river crossings, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, and part of which includes roughly 24 hour straight float in a little cork known as a pack raft down the Yukon River, some 110 miles in a stretch, and end up on day five, I think it was, afternoon of, having slept a total during that time of maybe five hours max. Um, so I find myself in Circle Hot Springs, which is a little, pretty much deserted little place only 
12 to 15 miles out of the finish at Central, with only a 12 to 15 mile road to go, which is one of the concessions made in this particular race because there's no other way to get into Central if you're coming from the east other than to take this road. So we are allowed to take that road. Normally you cannot do that sort of thing. So I stumble into Circle Hot Springs, or actually just before Circle Hot Springs, find a nice little creek running down and take a nice break. It's now the afternoon of the fifth day. Weather's pleasant. Sky's clear. Clouds are out. It's five or six in the evening. I'm going to take a nice little break before my last little push down that 15-mile road into Central. And I'm sitting there having a snack and just totally at peace. And all, I, I think I'm probably going to make it now. As I'm sitting there eating my gummy bears and, and gorp and snacking on a Snickers bar, I started hearing some music playing. And I'm thinking at first, oh, somebody's got a radio on somewhere up in the, you know, some of the huts that are inhabited up there by Circle Hot Springs. And don't pay much mind, but as time goes on, the music gets louder, and I st start hearing some voices. And as they get clearer and clearer, and the music gets louder and louder, and I start to focus on the source of this music, and it's not from behind me, it's not from the hills, it's from this rock <laughs> in the middle of the street. <laughs> and there's, the rock has a nice willow stick trapped in the rock, probably washed out from up above, and the head of this willow stick turns into a cat head <laughs> that starts mouthing the words of a DJ speaking from KWOZ, the, the Big Boss FM in Los Angeles, California, <laughs> playing FM music, as, such as a, a me heavy metal version of Sister Golden Hair. <laughs> I walked out to the rock, in the, I walked out the creek to the rock to poke around underneath the rock, on top of the rock, I see no wires, no speaker, I think this is pretty cool, this is interesting, you know, this technology exists. So I sat back down, finished my snack, and said, well, I'm going to start heading in. So I started walking in on, this, on the road into Central. It's getting dusky. And then I look down, and I see suddenly the road beneath my feet is turning into the player strip or the conveyor strip on a player piano. And there are endless images going by under my feet. Everything you might imagine. Beautiful paintings, multicolored photographs of, I remember seeing Lenin, not John Lennon, but the Russian Lenin. <laughs> um, Winston Churchill, the Beatles in their Sgt. Pepper outfits, um, landscapes, just rolling by under my feet, making this great, and I start looking around and up, and the sky, nice dark dusky sky, it's close to midnight by now, the clouds are turning into most anything you can think of that can fly, dragons, airplanes, blimps, <laughs> men in bat suits. And the further I go, I start looking to the sides, and the trees are morphing into ballet dancers and knights on horseback with jousting. And even the grass at the side of the road is turning into little figurines of busy people in a town setting. And they're going about their shopping with storefronts. And, and, and this goes on because the trip in on foot, 12, 13 miles, just three, four hours, I get into... Steese, and I go to the Steese Roadhouse where my lovely wife has booked me a room for the night. And I get my key and I walk into the 
bunch of ATCO, trails, or ATCO trailers that serves as a hotel in Stees, or in Central. And there's a full-on wedding going on. <laughs> Bride and groom and, and maids of honor and best men and you name it. It's full. It's packed. And I sort of stay at the side of the wall and sneak around, excuse myself. I have to get to my room. I get in, lay my stuff down, and I sneak back out again, and I head down the road to Rourke's place where the finish was. And uh, I'm walking down the road, and there's a neon sign saying Rourke Williams' house. And I, so I go in, and I am greeted by a man in a pajamas saying, what the hell are you doing here? Get out of my house. I said, well, I'm, geez, excuse me, I'm looking for Rourke's house. And he said, it's about a half mile down the road. I went down, I was greeted by some, at four in the morning by that time, people sitting around a campfire. I come in, I sit down, and I continue my visions, and I am filmed at that point, describing the Tin Men, the Wizard of Oz, <laughs> all these things going on around me. The night finishes. I head back to my room at the ATCO trailer, get jousted in the morning to wake up. It's time to go home. My hallucinations are gone except for one. Later on that night when I get home, I'm sitting with my wife on the deck having dinner, and I ask her if those four people across the street in the yard playing in their costumes are real, and she turned around and said, no, they're not real, they're not there. And I said, okay, and we continued on with dinner. <laughs> And life, and that was the last of it.